Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. Wow, this is a busy week. A lot of guys planting both beans and corn. Some rotary hoeing, some replanting of both crops. Between cold soils, the freeze, five to seven and a half inches of rain to create a thick crust and ponding, this crop locally is off to a rough start. It's kind of a double-edged sword. If your crop was up, it got hit by the freeze. If it's not, it's dealing with the emergence challenge to get through this crust from all that rain. I've looked at a number of fields this week, and you name it, it's out there. Now, keep in mind, of course, no one calls us to look at their best field. So what we look at is usually in trouble. We plan to do more service calls next week as we try to get a handle on how much replant is ahead of us. On the freeze front, most corn looks to have a high survival rate. The bigger corn was hit the hardest and we're going to lose a few plants. The wheat looks like it fared it pretty good as far as the freeze goes. The hardest hit was the soybeans with temperature reports at 26 degrees between 4 and 5 hours. In the low-lying areas, it was 100% kill, meaning the plants melted to the ground already by Monday. When the plant, of course, melts to the ground, it means the stem below the first node has been taken out and there's no chance of recovery. Most fields that I walk fell between 10 and 60% range when it came to stand loss that was evident already Monday and Tuesday, meaning the other plants would need time to see if there were going to be any new growth out of that first node signifying that the plant survived. By next week, this will be evident. If they haven't put on new growth, count them in the dead column even if the plant is green. Visiting some fields a second time on Tuesday afternoon, I see hope. I think we'll survive this freeze in many fields, meaning the remaining population will get the job done for us. My biggest concern is the amount of cornfields we have in trouble. Between spending 20 to 25 days in the ground before emergence, seed chilling issues, saturated soils, and now crusting, it's causing some of this corn to leaf out underground. Basically, we threw the kitchen sink at it. Some of the early planted corn has been underground too long and it's beyond hoeing to help it. It's decision time on this stuff. And some of these stands don't look that bad from the road until you get out in it and actually start to do the counts. Some of the later planted corn was helped um, by a lot of guys running hose this week before uh, it leafed out. This weekend rain with warm conditions will help some more of it get out. Scouts, you're going to have a busy week this week. You'll need to make some calls on trying to save a stand, leave it, or to start over. Now, we can't meander around on these calls. The sooner we make the decision, the better. So it needs to be made sooner than later. And remember this, management teams, when you get your field reports from the scouts, don't go into committee meetings for a week trying to figure out what to do. 
process the data, and make a move on it. A good thing about this isolation time, there's no coffee shops open to get a consensus of what the neighborhood's going to do. Make replant calls off of good data collection, your own data that is. Some of the later planted corn can still be helped with a hoe next week early, but the longer you drag your feet, the less likely the hoe is going to help. <laughs> it's amazing how many excuses I heard this week on why growers couldn't hoe their crops. It needs to be totally rebuilt. That, ho that hoe is junk. Uh, it's behind the combine heads in the shed. It'll take me three hours to dig it out. It's behind the old Jimmy straight truck, and that thing hasn't run in years. Come on, guys. If we're going to push planting conditions in corn and or plant beans early, we need to bring the art of hoeing back to your farm. If you have a hoe and love running it, let your neighbors know. You might be able to pick up some custom income. When it comes to hoeing, always check the field before and after to be sure you are improving the stand and not going backwards. I like to use the same method for both corn and beans. If it's beans, I like using a hula hoop. I toss the hula hoop and where it lands, I stick a plot flag right in the center of the hoop. And then I count the ones that are already up, kind of count those I think I can help up. Pick the hoop up, throw it again, set another flag, do another count after I get three, four of these flags set out there. Then I take the hoe and we run around through. Most of the time the hoe will not pull out your flags. After the hoe passes, drop that hoop back down over it, center it on that flag and do a recount. How many did you help? How many did you hurt? Then pick up your hoop and run the hoe through it a second time. See if it gets worse or if it gets better. Many fields I've been in where the seven inches of rain fell, I think it's going to take two passes to get the job done. We have extra hula hoops here at the office if you can't find yours. In the cornfield, set some flags in the row and set two flags out there. Count the plants between those two flags the same way. How many are up? How many you think you can help? Run the hoe through and uh, see what you actually did. This will get you away from the emotions of hoeing and bring you to using real numbers. Now there are other options besides the hoe for guys who don't own a hoe or the crust is too thick to get your hoe through. One is to use your corn planter as a precision hoe. Set the depth as shallow as you can to keep the disc opener from doing any damage. Take the pressure off your closing wheels, take the pressure off your, your row unit, and let your row cleaners break the crust. If the row cleaners uh, are riding out, you may have to apply a little more down pressure to them and the row unit. The clean sweep or any row cleaner where you can have the ability to apply down pressure really works sweet for this. The fingered row cleaners work better than the shark tooth. That shark tooth can get pretty aggressive, so be careful if you're using that one. If you have a Coulter combo on your planter, if you don't remove the Coulter, you'll need to get it high enough that it doesn't do damage to the crop. 
sometimes raising the hitch of the planter can get you there. You can also use some of the vertical harrows. Take for instance like the Great Plains Turbo Till or the Selford or the McFarland Insight. You can use these to crack the crust. Now we're running these puppies shallow and we're definitely checking the outcome uh, behind them. Speed discs do not work for this purpose. They'll tear too much of that crop out. The third one is using uh, the use of your row warmers or strip fresheners that a number of you guys have. Again, raise that center colder to reduce damage. With all of these though, don't assume it's working. Do the counts. When you've decided what you have is what you're going to get, the decision on whether to replant or not should be made as soon as you can. Most of you went through the class that Matt presented here on replanting decisions on corn and beans that we did in 2018. I'll have him put that tutorial up on our website for you to review. When it comes to replant decisions, guys, we need to take all the emotions out of it and deal with real numbers. This is where the scouts come in. We need the numbers on every field, every hybrid. Take your soil type and your LIDAR maps with you. Most of these issues are soil type and topo related. We have an app on the website that you can plug in your series of counts and get your population if you need that. With corn, it gets a little trickier. We have to predict ear count. Matt will walk you through how to figure bushels per ear depending on population. Here's also the place to use your hybrid yearbooks from our hand harvest plots. From here, you can make some pretty decent predictions on what your present stand is capable of in yield. This then can be compared to your APH. Matt will walk you through how to compare your current stand to the original planting date to the replant date of a full stand. And then you subtract the cost of replanting and add that together with a little bit of drying cost, kind of know where your numbers are. One correction, though, that I would uh, encourage you to use is there needs to be a correction to the calculation of how long it took your corn to come up. So if you're using the charts and you plug in an April 7th planting date, that chart assumes that that corn came up in five to seven days when it figures its projected yield. This year, corn planted April 7th spent 30 days in the ground. So take your emergence date, get that from your scouts, take your emergence date, back it up seven days, and use that as your original true planting date. I would use the same approach with early planted soybeans. Go back seven days from emergence and use that as your original planting date when you're using these charts. The drowned out areas, of course, are no-brainers. We can just drop and plant. If we react quickly, I would use the same maturity as well as populations in both beans and corn. When it comes to corn, trying to thicken up the stand, you'll just get burnt. If you decide to replant, the original stand of corn has to come out. You have to take it out. With soybeans, we can thicken up the stand if need be, but it will not improve yield, but it will help on weed control. 
In our plots where we interplant to thicken stands on beans, it typically lowers yields from one to four bushel. This reduction in yield may be well worth it in weed control if they're non-GMOs. Many of you have replant insurance along with free replant seed. In that case, smoke the old stand and replant it if the numbers tell you to. We would tell you early planted beans carry a better premium in yield than replant charts account for. I would still say this is true if you have beans in that V1, V2 growth stage. Be a little slower giving up on them. If you're still in the cotyledon stage next week, I would just use the charts. For the scouts out there getting the counts, don't forget to keep an eye on the insect issues. But don't assume the coast is clear if you don't see any. We are still about maybe two weeks away from cutworm activity. We're about 145 insect units behind the norm. Based on trap catches you guys been calling in and what we have here, I do believe we will have to deal with both cutworm and armyworm before this is over. <laughs> maybe they'll get the virus of their own and take them out. We'll work with your crop tech retailers as many as well as many farmers on service calls next week and we'll try to, to get through as many fields as we can to help you on the replant side as well as finish up planting our plots. If you have your counts done and take some good pictures, some of this can be done over the phone as well to keep with the whole social distance concerns. With the mid-70s to low-80s in the 10-day forecast, we are about to fire the rockets under this crop and get it moving. I long to see some dark green cornrows. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.